to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast brought to you by Jackson Labs, the brand innovators that we trust and the brand innovators that you should use as well. Go check them out at jacksonlabs.com. Oh, what a day for us. Uh, big day, big guest, another fun one. Uh, before we get into our guest, let's just say hello to the boys. Tom out in New York, what's happening? Not too much, boys. Yeah, just back-to-back days of huge guests today. Couldn't be more excited to dive into the colored commentary. Man that we have on with us today that's just famous for all the things he's said about golf over the years. So I'm excited to dive into it with you boys and him today. Definitely. Parks, what's going on? Yeah, I'm really excited. I uh, We talked a little bit off air and I'm interested to get a little more insight into his horticulture skills. He's uh, very adamant about the no- the moss growing on the north side of things. So we're talking about precipitation. We're talking about weather. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a good chat today. <laughs> Absolutely. And that guest that we have on today, an absolute legend whose voice used to rattle you awake from your Sunday afternoon nap or brought you to tears with one of his sharp one-liners. Champions Tour winner and former CBS analyst, Mr. Gary McCord. How are you, sir? Boys, what's going on up there in the Great White North? Everything good? Everything is lovely, man. To be honest, it's uh, it's not as bad as what we thought it could be. <laughs> we can still play golf. Uh, no snow. It was 10 degrees and sunny today. It was lovely. Now, do you guys play the ball back in your stance or up in your stance? The wet? Uh, to be honest, I was playing out of the mud last week, and I was just trying to pick it clean. I didn't even just know how pick, to do it. You want to get dirty. Yeah, you Don't get you get that dirty. leading edge in, and it's done. Like oh. it, it looked like we went dirt biking for you know four hours. Yeah, last don't weekend. wear white pants if you're going to go ATVing. That's not a good look. Oh, it was a, it was a tough look. Good for you guys. So and, what's up? What do we got going? Well, you know, we want to just dip in and see what's going on with you. I know you're playing a bunch. You know, you're getting out. And you know what? You even made another appearance back on TV at the match. So, I mean, you sounded nice there. And we want to just see how that voice is coming along. I see a beard's coming in now. It's not so much just the soul patch. Yeah, it, it was. I, I This time of the year, and you guys don't understand it because you're too young. But millennials, as you get old... You have to you have to look and take a look, and you have a lot of either squamous cell or a basal cell, or hopefully not melanoma. I you got this thing right here. You see this? So that was stitches. There's about twenty of them in there, and so I grew this up, knowing that I was have a couple of them done, and I can hide it. So that's the deal. It's all built as you get older around your medical needs, and you know. That's what I do. That's what old guys do. You tossed out the millennial comment. I'm just wondering if that's actually covering up a face tattoo. Maybe that's a new thing for Gary McCord. (laughs) If it's a tattoo, it's not there. It's not there. It it won't match the butterfly on the lower back, I guess? No, I have no no trans stamp whatsoever. How how come you haven't adopted the big Norman hat yet? Like, we haven't got you the sun sun visor? You know, know, I've been... playing for 55 years i'm literally a petri dish for skin <laughs> and i have had do you guys know anything about mose surgery mose you don't don't even answer okay i've had like 50 something done on my face where they go in and give you five shots around the basal or the squamous cell and then they cut it out and they cut it out and they send it to a lab and you go to a bar and drink and they call you to say, no, we got to dig out more. Oh. So you sit there and drink and you go back and forth until they finally get enough 
then they suture it up, which is that, and then you're clean and done, and you go to the next deal. It's just part of that and colonoscopies. You guys have got a lot of rich stuff in it. Well, they say that's something you should be getting on even as an early 30-year-old. You should be getting that colonoscopy now. Like, I'm a little worried. Sounds like a nice weekend. Not, I mean, I was 50 is usually the number, okay? And you go in, and it's, it's a nap. Now, the 24 hours prior, um, you better stay about 15 feet away from your toilet. Uh, <laughs> start drinking that crap. Yeah, they clean you, you right are, You are a fuck, okay? <laughs> and then you go in, and they give you... They give you that thing that Michael Michael Jackson had, propofenol or something, whatever yeah. that is. You go to sleep, and you are gone, and you wake up, and you're done, and it's fine. All right. Probably well, just feel empty. You, you must, guys, go do it when it, when you're 50. Go do it. There you go. Shout out for Jack fam. Right. Well, I mean, we we. We can continue to talk about your uh, your butthole and your intestines a little bit longer, but you know why? We, guys my age talk. About I, apparently, I mean, apparently, but if guys my age, we want to hear about like things the like you about women. Phil yeah, and you know, some golf. You know, you just did the match. Let's let's talk guys, about that. Something lighter. I on the Champions Tour. It was really great. On the when you know on the PGA Tour, which I was on forever, you sit around and talk about different towns and different places to go to get the girls, and then you get in the Champions Tour. And you start talking about arthritis, bursitis, <laughs> colonoscopies. It's a totally different culture. And it's fantastic because it's so broad-based of what you talk about. But it's great. Lots of good tips and tricks. It brings the humanity into all of it, I think, is what um, is kind of the cool thing. is. Like Who asked me about the mat? I want to know about, like, it was your first time back on TV, and it's like, you sounded great. And we missed that you. Was, we missed it. We missed you. Everyone um, did. Well, I, I appreciate that. The, the deal was on a match. I get a phone call, um, and uh, it was from Amanda Balionis. She's not my agent, but but Turner called her up to find my number. So, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. Do you want to do this thing? I said, well, it's in Tucson, and I'm 100 years old, so I don't want to fly anywhere or do anything. I, I can drive down there an hour and a half. So, yeah, I'll do it. So, I, you know, Barkley and I are pretty good friends. We played enough golf together and everything. And I know all the guys in the deal, except I don't know Stefan. It's not Steph anymore. It's Stefan. So, Sounds French. So, it, yeah, very French, but he can shoot threes beyond comprehension. Like Oof. nobody's business. Yeah, like nobody's business. So, anyway, we go down there and do that. And uh, Phil, I've known forever. And, and, you know, it was fun. It was I'll, I'll tell you guys the truth. We get there and it's it's a fiasco. You don't know what's going on. You, you know you've got to do something. And I started looking in rehearsals the day before, and they had four guys who were playing. Those four guys, they had announcers. There's 31 carts trying to get from the first hole to the second hole. Now in this golf course, if you saw, there's boulders everywhere. Yeah, the cart is like six feet wide. You can't pass anybody. So the deal was that I figured out that I got to get in the first cart to get ahead of everybody to get to the next fairway to get the yardage and everything else. So we start this thing off and, um, and I open the show and we do all the stuff. Um, um, you remember the thing they did with Barkley that Peyton Manning did where they had the bag with all the stuff in it. Yeah. That, okay. Da, da, da. Well, I get done and we get done and a day later. It's now Tiger Woods is the one that did the bag and got the Peyton to give it. I did that. I went over to Sports Authority, and I, I walked up and down for an hour 
and try to, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let's do that. Put it in the bag. It cost me $96 and 20 cents. I've got the bill. I never gave Turner. So it was my deal. And I got to Peyton and I said, Peyton, here's the deal. When Charles goes up and we start interviewing, come on over and give him, presenting this deal with all this stuff from snake bite kits to, you know, large orange vest that when he goes out in the desert looking for his ball, we can find him. Air horns, the whole deal. And so we did all this stuff. You know, we had a good time. We get to the first hole, introduce guys, we go. So we get to the first hole, and I get out there first. I get in front of everybody, get the yardies, and nothing. Nobody calls me in, nothing. Get to the second hole, nothing. Third hole, nothing. I went, then I went, uh oh, we here. got a problem. <laughs> so I started counting. So here's the deal. Here's here, if you go down the table of contents, there's four people on the driving range in a studio, okay? Open mics, ready to go. Andre Iguodala, uh, we've got um, three other people in there. Then we go to the 18th hole, we've got four people up there in the tower, open mics. Then we got the four guys on the ground, all microphone, ready to go, open mic. Those are the guys you want to listen to. So get out, let them talk. It's a botanage back and forth between these guys. Mm -hmm. And then I've got Cheyenne Woods and myself out there on the golf course. Cheyenne's never done this. She didn't know how to turn the thing on. She was great. Explained all this stuff. There's 12 people with open mics. Okay. Now Chaos. we start getting called. We got call-ins from Dion, from the TNT guys and Shaq and all these people. At one point there was 21 open mics. Holy shit. How much did you okay? want to scream? <laughs> so on the 12th hole, I took the cart and I drove in. I sat in the I sat in the locker room. For the rest of the oh. round. I left. I went in the locker room. No one's calling me in. No one's doing it. Nothing. So I went, hell with this. I've yep. done this enough. So I went, if they call me in, I can fake it. So I went in, <laughs> store, in, in the golf course clubhouse. <laughs> so that's the truth. That's what I did. I apologize, TNT, if you hear this, but that's what I did. Well, they'll, de they'll definitely be listening. Live on location no in the shitter. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Just> checking <laughs> Twitter. Met a lot of friends. It was good. It was good. Well, I mean, it must be fun to, even just to see it, though, like something like that. Phil, Phil needs to be in something like that all the time. Like, we want to have that penultimate, like, Tiger-Phil battle again. But Phil has to be involved in these things to be good, right? No question. Tiger won't talk. No. We'll talk. Won't say a word. Phil will go over the top. And I chirp. love Phil. I've known Phil forever. He is beautiful. He'll be the next greatest announcer probably totally. of all time. Okay, then oh, well. this is a great thing to segue into then. You know, we sat here off air thinking, how ah, do, we, do, we, do we talk about the CBS thing? No, I don't want to. It's 2021. It's a new season. It's a year on. You don't want to talk about it. Let's go back even farther. And you're talking about Phil. There's got to be some good stories from your time on the tour following this guy. He's probably one of the most chatty guys to ever grace the PGA Tour. Chirpy. Yeah, Chirpy like, guy. There's got to be some funny stories that you've kind of witnessed with him. Well, the way. Phil is full of shit. <laughs> There's what he I'm is, hoping for. And he's the best of all time at being full of shit. Okay? Literally. Uh, literally. Um, and he's, he's wonderful at it because he never backs down from it. He'll give you a bunch of crap, and then he'll convince you that that crap is right. He's real. <laughs> That's yeah. the best. Professional bullshitter. Um, Insert every Phil stories. Instagram post, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, Phil's story. Phil, okay. 
Phil was, I, he was probably, an, he might have been on the tour, he was probably an amateur. Then all of, and I'm a hundred, but I kind of, I want to hang around young guys because that's what keeps you young, right? Sure. So it's always been my MO. I just, so all of Phil's buddies are my good buddies. So one day we're at, we're at, we're at Greyhawk Golf Course in Scottsdale, where you, there's been a couple of pretty good tournaments there. And we're going to go up and play. And there's Stricky, who was the captain of the team at ASU, and Phil was there. Rob Mangina is best buddy. Me, Phil. And we're going to go up and play a hate game. The hate game is two guys pick two guys, and they hate each other. And you go about the game that way. It's a hate game. Hmm. So we go up and we meet at Greyhawk and Phil has got the biggest car for whatever reason. I, he was an amateur. I don't know how he got that big a car. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out later, but uh, he had a big <laughs> SUV. you're saying there's some boosters in California uh, or in, in ASU. Sir? Yeah, yeah. That's weird. ASU, I don't know. He never graduated. So I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that's another, he was actually uh, just hanging around there. Graduate. <laughs> from ASU, by the way, okay? <laughs> All you got to do is drink a lot of beer and you graduate. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so he's got he's got this big SUV. He's going to pick us up. We're going to go play this hate game up 20 miles away up at, up at Desert Mountain. And Phil calls and he goes, hey, I'm, go- I'm going by Taco Bell. He says, what do you guys want? I'll get some so we don't have to eat up there. I said, okay. I said, guys, what do you want? And they were mentioning, you know, fajitas and no, 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 no. I said, Phil, hold it. Just get 12 tacos. 12 tacos. That's three apiece. That's fine. All right. All right. I'll be there in 10 minutes. So here he comes up 10 minutes. Taco Bell's not five minutes away. Okay. So we get there and I get, I get shotgun. I call shotgun early because I'm the oldest. And then the two guys in the back put the clubs in. We start going and the car smells like tacos, obviously. So I go, okay, what do you, he goes, well, it's, and they're in, they're right below you there in your driver's side or the passenger side. So I, I pick up the bag and I look and all I see is I see rumbled up taco plastic thing that they're in. And I, I'm starting to fetter through it. And there's three left. He's eating them all. Three left. Three. Three. He smashed them. Taco tacos and are I quite go, small. Well, I said, Where are they? And he goes, I got hungry. I might have ate him. <laughs> I, wait a minute. Five minutes away, and you just ate nine tacos? You ate nine tacos? That's got to be a record. Five minutes away, he says, I was hungry. I go, guys, we got a taco apiece. And I said, how is it? Then they start ragging on Phil the whole time. But that was that was early uh, in his tenure. That's when he was beefy. He doesn't do that anymore. God love him. He's he's uh, he's towing the line and all that stuff. He ain't right. But yeah, in the old days, Phil could eat. He's a fat, he's a fat kid at heart for sure, right? I mean, he's oh, he, he never yeah. passed up on a meal. I don't think. Never, never. <laughs> he's a big never. boy. He's a big boy. He's a growing and man. <laughs> he's a, he's a big guy. Uh, his wife, you know, Amy is fantastic, nice and thin. And Phil was this helium balloon uh, early in his career. And, you know, God love him. He's now good shape. The stuff this guy can do, literally, yoga-wise and bending. Now, Phil, as you know, has never had a bad back, ever. Never had anything hurting him. Tiger can't walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So whatever Phil's done is right. Whatever Tiger's done is wrong other than beat everybody out of 82 wins and <laughs> fill, you know, half of that uh-huh. basically. Um, but everybody should be paying attention to what Phil does because whatever Phil does is really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. This is good timing then for you to say that because like that, the new Tiger doc came out and there was something that they mentioned in that where it was like Tiger kind of lived in Phil's shadow all those years growing up in Southern California. And they was like, Phil was the most naturally gifted man with a golf club ever in his hand. And it's like, yeah, I guess like he was the guy like that Southern California's guy. Raw talent didn't work yeah. at it like Tiger worked Pure at it. Pure right? talent. It wasn't curated as much Pure maybe. Talent. Probably took it a little easy at first. Um, as you get older in life, you kind of look at, at what you wasted and you don't want to waste anymore. So you get back on it and Phil got back on it. He got back on it and, and, and doing everything that you should be doing to, to pursue your career. And I mean, you know, what's he got? 44. I haven't been in the business. Now yeah. for, and now wins as well. Yeah. So he's doing a lot of things, right? If Tiger wasn't there, he'd be the boy, right? Oh. He would be the guy. Oh, he for would sure. be. And, um, and he's done things right because literally, I I don't think Phil's ever been hurt. I really don't. He can do stuff. I watch. He can do stuff that is amazing with his flexibility. The other day, I, I watched. He was doing something, and he put a cup on this guy's head, and he stood in front of him about three feet and kicked the. The oh, cup I've off his head. I've seen those say, videos. And kicked the guy in the balls. <laughs> yeah. it, well, I would kick kind of balls, but he kicked that. He, he just went whack with his right leg and went and did a brush stroke from this guy. Was I saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. It's unbelievable. It I'd love to see Phil do that crazy yoga move where they stick their legs behind their head, yeah, right? He does that. Does I, he really? I once we were doing a thing and I was emceeing it and I looked back. And he's on the ground. He's sitting on his rear end. His both legs are stuck out. And he's got his torso, his sternum, and he's got it on the ground. And I looked at him and went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How can you do? And I tried to get there. And my my back got about 90 degrees from the ground. I couldn't go one degree more. He had his sternum, his chest on the ground with his leg stretched out in front of him. Is he like so, a secret yoga hippie guy behind the scenes or yeah, what's yeah. his deal? Yeah, California yeah. kid. Got a guy he works with. I wish I could remember yeah. his name. He's been there forever with Phil and he's done a hell of a job keeping him in prime shape to swing long and swing hard and hit hit nasty seeds. I'm yeah. just I'm just picturing Phil in like tight Lululemon yoga pants, a headband. No, don't want to do that. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just thinking yeah, <laughs> Phil's wife Not is good. a lucky woman. That's right? not that good. vitality in him is just fierce like a puma. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's it's, a tiger. You're, you're not getting in on those it's yoga classes with him? It's animalistic. Is Gary going to get into the yoga yeah. classes too? Is that a is that a thing? Am I going to what? Are you going to get into those yoga classes? Is that something on the on the table for the future? I'm I'm 72 and the fact that I can walk a straight line for 10 feet. That's how I base my good day on. <laughs> I think 10 that's feet, a great I get it. I'm done. I feel good. Yeah, feel there you go. <laughs> right? Small victories. Small victories. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Let's go way back. Yeah. Let's go I way back, Gary. Origin. Let's let's take it all the way back to Gary McCord's introduction to golf. You want to talk us? You can speed up through the years, but 
Give us a little insight into how golf came into your life and what the introduction to golf was. All the way back to Riverside, uh, California. Yeah, Riverside. Been yeah, there. Yeah, California, baseball pitcher. Baseball, I was really good, really good, all world, scouts everywhere, the whole deal. I blew up my arm because I pitched too much, okay? Mm. So I was 15, 15, all-star league, the whole deal. But I couldn't – when I go to class, this is how bad it was. I was throwing curveballs. I was throwing splitters. I was throwing everything when I was 14, 13, 14, wow. 15. And, and the ligaments on my right shoulder got, got, got lengthened. Okay. So I'd go to class and very rarely did I ever want to raise my arm and answer a question from the teacher. Okay. Cause I always sit in the back. You always sit in the back and stay low and everything else. But every once in a while I'd break. And every time I raise my arm, my arm would go out of place. Oh, Wow. And I have to pop it back in. And then I put it in my pants like Al Bundy. I was Al Bundy in 1962. Okay. Tomorrow blew up. So we moved at 15 years of age, never played golf, never did anything. We moved from from Garden Grove, California to Riverside. It's only about hundred miles. And I didn't know anybody to do anything. I, but I could do a sport where my right elbow got above my shoulder couldn't mm. do anything with that way because my arm would pop out of place. So I started hitting golf balls. I went, well, that my mom was taking lessons. And so I went to the lessons, a little kid started hitting balls. And then I went from, <laughs> that was 15. So I started hitting balls. I had no clue what I was doing. As my age, we had no instruction ever. Yeah. You didn't have the Google. It, yeah, exactly. We had no <laughs> YouTube. We had nothing. So you'd go as empirical. You'd go to the range, you'd hit balls, and you go, well, if I did that, it went that way. If I did this, it went that way. I don't like those two. I got to do this to go that way. And you hit balls and balls and balls. It was really repetitive and really took a long time. So the process of learning was much longer on the curve than it is now, where you got all these guys. They, you know, you can fix it in two seconds. You should be able. So I'm out there hitting balls, and I finally figured out, and I won. I went. So I started playing when I was 15, 16, I couldn't break 90. And then I won the NCAA when I was 18 or 19. So in two years, I won the NCAA. Now it was a college NCAA. The big guys have, it was class four in those days. And I was college division, which was the next smallest college. Anyway, so I won that. So I got really good real fast, but I still had no clue what I was doing in golf, but I played Every day. And I played against guys that were good, trying to be better than I was. And I was trying to get to where they were. And you just, it was empirical. You just went and watched and see if you can do something better than them and, and played for money. You didn't have any money. That's the best way to play because you get all nervous and you haven't got, if you lose, you haven't got it to, to get. So you got to play better. The nerve. That's, how we, that's how we learned. And it was, you'd go out and you'd bet 500 bucks and you had $8 in your pocket and you see if you could survive. And it was totally different climb or a climate uh, golf wise to learn from than they have now, but it was a great way to learn a great way to learn mm -hmm. trial by fire. I think yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Are you going to lose? Do you your... feel like that's something that's missing from the game is like that risk factor? No, no. Th these guys now, you know, 
everything evolves and you yeah. evolve into a point that you take what they give you, whether it's the manufacturers, whether it's the, it's the mental coaches, whether it's the, the, the neuromuscular guys, uh, any of that, you get all those on your team and you go, okay, here's what you have to do to get better. You do this, 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 and this. So it's automatic feedback. You get it, you go do it and you can get, and you can get, with machines and everything else hooked up to you, you can get the response back so much faster. It's not even close. Yeah, the we feedback. Take a month. Yeah, we should take a month to figure out why my ball is slicing with a forehand. You can do it now in a minute and a half with, you know, with, with the track man or whatever else and find out pass and tack angles and all that stuff. And it's just, it's bizarrely so much faster. And so much better the input you get from technology to get to get you to get where you want to go. And our is primal. that good or bad though? Yeah, does way. it level the playing field a little bit too much? You have to you have to define good or bad, and then it when you define it when I'll, you define it, I'll subjective. define it. I can define okay. that then. So for someone that had older equipment that dug it out of the dirt with a set of blades and persimmon woods to someone now that has a sim two driver and frequency matched irons frequency and matched up wedge or irons and, and everything and a track man is that good like i mean you see these college kids that are just like absolute horses in their first year soldiers like they're unbelievable is that something that's missing like digging it out of the dirt no okay <laughs> good answer if you did yeah no emphatically <laughs> if you gave me the if those two choices and well, I had to build a career, okay? And I built my career on the other side. It's not even close. Yeah. I want the technology. I want you tell me what to – I had nobody telling me anything, nothing. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where the club face was. I didn't know how to move my hips. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if the, my head, if it moved, if yeah. my eyes were in an express saccade or a slow roll nystagmus. I didn't know, and I didn't know how that affected – my brain and how I went about with the limbic system. Mm -hmm. I know now I would have loved to have known that then because I wasn't very good anyway, but at least <laughs> I would have been better in my knowledge. Yeah. yeah you could have got there I faster. Could, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of like, so, where's the mirror that I, I don't have a video camera to give me analysis right now. So I'm going to set up a mirror behind me and then like, I'm going to try and look at myself while I'm making a golf swing. It's like that changes well, we, everything. It, we did that. That was our futuristic deal. Mm -hmm. We put, a yeah. mirror out put there the strings watch. up, Ta tape on the mirror. We turn our head and go, well, where in the hell is my left arm? Well, where's the shaft according to my, my angle of my shoulder plane on my backswing? Should it be above it or below? What, what? And that, that was our big deal. That, was, that released all sorts of new of uh, new spectrums of, of greatness if we could figure out, but no one, no, no one told us where to put it. We'd have to go. And that's why you got Trevino out there. And that's why you've got Miller Barber and all these guys that these swings were what, how in the hell did you come up with that? And why are you so good? Now, every one of these guys looks like the guys on the top of the trophy that you get, right? It's in a perfect position, which is, biomechanics uh -huh. and i want the position i want to start from there instead of trying to do what miller barber does Jim <laughs> yeah. or all that jim Furyk is fantastic he owns it um matthew wolf it's bizarre as hell and it's fun to watch and it produces what 
Speed. Speed. And that's power where we distance. Oh, impact. That, like, I mean, obviously. Yeah. It's, I don't care what the hell it looks like. It's power. Yeah. We had a guest on the other day that was talking about Wolf and Furick, and it's like, if those homemade swings, they will last the longest because they can only swing one way. Yeah. And it's they like, own it. Exactly. They, own they don't know any different. No. If, if, if George Gankus went and go, Matthew, Matthew, you can't have your shaft angle. Because I work for Mac O'Grady. It can't have your shaft angle when your left arm is parallel to the ground on backside. You can't have the shaft angle on the same angle as your spine. Mm-hmm. It's got to be 90 degrees. It can't be on the same angle because then that club head is going to have to rotate behind you 67 degrees to get it to plane out to come from the inside. So you can't, you know, you can't do that. Uh, really? Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> and no one knew at that point that when, when Matthew Wolf is setting that angle, just like Miller Barber did, it's identical to golf swing. Miller wasn't as far on his backswing over his head with his, that when that thing starts to flatten out and plane, on this downswing because of physics, that club shaft gets faster to get out behind you. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. Who the hell knew that? Who, until you got to biomechanics and physics to go. Yeah. And I, I could be here an hour explaining why <laughs> that speed to go on. A, it's called a D plane and blah, 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 blah. But these guys know by their feeling, that's where it goes. Um, the interesting thing in a golf swing, if you go and try to get every position perfect, your brain reacts to reacts to positions that are not the norm, but the abnormal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you go back and you try to get a perfect plane going back and everything else, it's there, but it's kind of vague. But if you go up and you put the shaft 40 degrees to the where you're not supposed to be and then shift it back over here, all of a sudden your brain lights up and your neuromuscular system goes, oh, I got that. You go extreme. You go here, and then you go there and pull it back. I can do that every time. It's exactly what Fury did when his dad, Mike, goes, no, you got to get it on. He goes, I can't. It doesn't feel right. But when I go here and then drop the shaft on the downswing, he he takes the head of the club at the top of the swing where it starts down, okay, it shifts 42 degrees, okay, behind him. He understood that. He understood that in the neuromuscular relationship. He understood that, and he could perform. He couldn't go back and put it right on plane like right. uh, like uh, Adam Scott does. It's impossible. So you learn different ways, and uh, usually the way that's most extreme is the one that's most indelible. Okay, that being said, we're talking about the state of the game and, and some interesting swings. How do you feel about the new crop of kids that's coming into the mix here? You, you've been – a guy that's seen through the ages, the transition of golf and, and the spikes and valleys about talent and, and the newcomers and, and all of these different settings and all these scenarios. How do you feel about where the state of the game is and, and this new crop of kids coming into the mix? The three kids you're talking about is three, four. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Victor. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay. Mm-hmm. The first thing is in these three kids, you cannot get three better guys seriously literally no can't get three better guys i mean if you want somebody to hand on the torch and go here go go fly with it that's that was like ricky fowler the same thing and ricky is kind of you know he's he has been kind of their guru for a couple of these kids victor and matthew because 
same place. Mm-hmm. And they are unbelievable. Watch them in interviews. They're fantastic. It's like they've been on tour for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And there's no ego there. They're just, I want to play good. I want to do the best thing. They're articulate. They're, they're, they're really forthcoming and, and where they are, what they're doing and really, really good. They're really good. So I've, I've never seen a triumvirate like that, that, that is that good and that good for our game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see one or two guys, come, but not three guys coming out the same time period and then do what they do, produce as they produce. I've, I've never, I haven't seen, I've been doing CBS for 35 years. And I've been out there playing both tours since 1974. And we're saying it's, it's crazy. I mean, we've talked about that in the last few years and, or last little while, but even having them on tour, seeing them, you go, okay, like this is a good, good base for the future of golf. But then you hear from guys like them and a few other guys and coaches and they're like, wait till you see the crop that's still coming in college. Like that'll be coming in, coming on soon. They're like, they're as good or better. And they're just going to sweep the PGA tour. Like they're so long. Their ball striking is amazing. And they put the lights out and it's like, okay, so are we ready to see everybody hit it 350 on a rope and drain every single putt? I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I know about the putting. I know one thing. Yeah, I know the tough, speed but... element. Um, Bryson has kind of accelerated that platform um, that all these kids now, seeing what Bryson did, that's a huge spike. What were your opinions what, on what Bryson did? I, Bryson and I are good friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I went to a, I went to a tournament called the Winter Classic. It was in Palm Springs, California, five years ago. It's a pro pro scratch, okay? And it's down at, at a place um, in Palm Springs. We get fantastic. All of us go down there. And um, so I'm down there playing. Uh, I was playing with Tim Mickelson. And so I go down there, and we're playing, and we go hit balls on the range. And I'm sitting there with Tim, and all the college coaches are there. And they've got their kids they're playing with in this deal. And I go, Tim, who's, who's good here? He was he was a coach at ASU at the time. He goes, that kid over there, let's go watch him. Watch him. It was Matthew Wolf. Uh-huh. Oh, excuse me. It was Bryson DeChambeau. So I go over and, you know, I'm watching this guy hit it. And he's in the back of the brain. And uh, oh, it's got some power. So I start talking to him and everything. And, you know, I said, can I look at your clubs? And he goes, yeah, they were all one length with grips that were literally yeah. – it was there were huge i mean there was size of a banana basically put your hands around wow they're like the old arthritic grips (laughs) yeah (laughs) and they were jacked up to i think they were eight degrees or nine degrees upright you know and i'm looking at these things going you know he's got the one plane mull norman deal going and he's hitting it and i'm watching him hit balls they're very conversational because i knew he was a little twisted you know he was he was at uh a little he bit was of a at, scientist. Uh, where was he? And yeah, he was at um, TC. Where was it? TCU, SMU, yeah. SMU. Um, so I said, well, "What are you doing after you hit balls?" He goes, "I'm going to hit balls in a half hour. I'm going to have lunch." I said, "Come mind if I have lunch with you?" Yeah. So we went and talked for an hour afterwards about everything. Yeah, I just want to see. You know, we start talking about the physics part of it, and, and um, got into that a little bit. So we became very good friends. Then he, he had. 18 or 19. So on the tour, I watched him when we were always there together. I go watch him hit balls. What are you doing now? What are we doing? What's all the, what's crazy shit you got now? <laughs> and, um, 
And then to watch him now with his giant leap of what he does, what he's done with a guy named George uh, Roscoff, who is out of Denver, who is, uh, I want to get this right, uh, motion, motion activation T, motion activation something. Anyway, uh, I know the Denver Broncos send their guys, if they get hurt to this guy, okay, about the body and how it works. So he found, I don't know, I found Greg. I have no idea. And he, he went anyway, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to take my swing speed. And this was a couple of years ago and I'm going to go and I'm going to get it to this. What do I need to do? Well, you need to get you need more mass because the more muscle you have, the more poundage, uh, the more speed you can derive from muscle mass. Okay. There's a certain amount. You can't be 160 pounds and create that kind of club hit speed without something breaking. So you got to get to 240, whatever it is. And then we'll get, and he did it. You know, he announced, I'm going to change. Boom, boom, boom. He was in Denver the whole time with Roscoff doing all this stuff. And it is remarkable to me that a guy can, can go from 195 to 240. It's and to be able time. to create that speed and still have a golf swing that worked. Oh, and still score. You, yeah. I mean, to do anything, you've got all the, all the things. So, in, in essence, that when you look at this whole thing, that Bryson has to, he has to be this, this person that is, that is always looking into the cosmos to find out how he's going to get better, regardless of what everybody says. What is my direction? How do I do it? And he mapped out a plan. And in essence, he's done it. He's proved it already. He's done it. And this can't do it that fast. That's what I'm saying. You can't do it that you cannot change your body that fast and do all the little things, all the precise things with a wedge that's 37 and a half inches long and hit little dink shots in there and also creating club hit speed of, you know, you can get it to 205, 206, and, but he's playing at about 195, 196 miles per hour for all, everybody out there on that's listening to this podcast. Um, the average speed of a golfer in the United States, 23 and a half million people that play golf is 84 miles an hour. Is a club. It's crazy. And, and what a separation. Talking, yeah. And then we're talking of this club hit speed and ball speed, you know, which is extraordinary. Now, again, we talked earlier before I'm a very good friends with Jamie Sedlowski, who was a very famous out of Alberta. Um, Long drive guy, I won it twice. I've caddied for him. I've, it's like my son. And I've watched it up close. I've watched Jamie the last time he was in the long drive. Um, his ball speed was 222. His club his speed is 152 miles an hour. Bryson can get it to about 142, 43. Jamie weighs 168 pounds. Yeah, There's the freak. not a big guy. He's, he's a freak. Little. He's a freak. Pound for pound, he's the longest guy that's ever walked this planet. Pound for pound. Yeah. Okay, out of Brookshire, big kid, creates all these 225 launches. Okay, so you, you watch how he does it. We, we're hitting balls every day together. I'm watching this. So I know what Bryson's going through, and I know the transition. But for him to do it that fast, Jamie's been doing this his whole life, you know, from a long driver, trying to become a golfer. Now, started at hockey, too. Right, yeah, started at hockey. That's where he got his speed, basically. Mm -hmm. So now Bryson is going from – uh, basically a golfer to a long driver. So yeah. it's the opposite. And I've introduced them together and they've had a ball talking to each other and 
and I know I know that uh, that they, he is working. Bryson is, is working a lot with these long drive guys. Um, He's been spending a lot of time with Kyle Berkshire. Yes, Tons. we see of, lots on social media. I've listened to stuff and everything else, so they're learning. I remember probably 25 years ago, I was emceeing the long drive for ESPN. 100 years ago, 100. And I came away and I went, whoa. Now, these guys' swings were bad at that point. Okay, bad. But they're creating a lot of club head speed. They were, you know, the tour was averaging 100, and I'm guessing then 105 to 106 miles an hour. These guys were right at 135. And I remember going back, telling a couple of guys, I don't care about golf lessons. People should be watching these long drive guys. How are they doing that? As one of these guys one day is going to become a good golfer. And then there's holy hell breaking loose. That was 30 years ago. They used to be like freaks though. Like the Jason Zubek years, like that guy was ripped. He was like a little gorilla. He went from a skinny guy to a big guy in a hurry. Yeah, he was a monster. He had a little help with that, though. He was a pharmacist. Yeah, yeah. He had a little help. (laughs) Non-GMO bananas. Rocket. And I watched these guys, and I went, whoa, there's some club hit speed. What if one of these guys got loose out there? What if they did? And they could play the game. The whole game's going to change. We found it. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that Bryson kind of went backwards in that way of, like, he was a good golfer, and it's like – the gamer within him and the access to these tools, physical therapists that can like optimize your muscle delivery to the ball. And then like having that data, like we were saying, just like that instant feedback loop. And he's like, I think I've heard him say he likes, he would rather hit balls on his flight scope or track man, rather than like actually playing golf. Cause it's like, he's more interested in the data component of it. And it's like, yeah, you use those three things together and you can do some pretty crazy shit if you believe in it, right? <laughs> if if you get if you get a guy that's a believer that goes beyond the parameters of the box that the tour is in, and then if you find that outlier and he goes out and he finds something, he does it. What happens? Breaks down the barriers. Bingo! And they try to re- everybody else goes. Oh, wait a minute. I can't keep up with that, so I got to go that way. Well, now all of a sudden, he's created the parameters, and he's got he's got outside the box. Now they got to chase him. Well, he's already ahead of them. He's way ahead of them. He understands it. He knows the application of that. How long is it going to take for these guys behind him to catch him? Whoa, a long time, a long time. But what he's doing. He's influencing the kids that are behind these tour players trying to catch him, and he's influencing them, which are going to get better, faster, stronger in a hurry. So the next wave is not the guys behind him. It's the guys that the kids are sitting home in 10, 11 going, Daddy, I want to do what this kid does. I want want to go to these. I want to get faster, stronger. I want to get this ball speed up to when you start getting – you start talking about 220 miles an hour ball speed playing the game there's a kid over in europe he's six foot nine wish i can remember the kid's name his ball speed is 214 miles an hour is regular he, is, when he he play, gets is he a european tour kid but yeah what's six foot yeah, nine yeah, yeah wish i can remember the guy's swedish i don't know what yeah, the kid's yeah. name is i watched him on the range hit balls oh my god 
this it's it's well it's kind of like the effect remember Elvira Kiros when he kind of yes. came on the scene like he was the guy because he was he was like six smashing six, it had all the all the leg and he was like oh yeah he's gonna be pounding it that was the, the model the problem with with Alvaro is he was six foot one is that what he was his, I thought he was like six yeah. six no no but his but his like his, his his ap- apex I guess was thirty feet he had flatliners. Wow. Okay. Just runners. So when these guys are trying to carry, there, there's about 10 guys that can carry it 320 or more on dog legs over bunkers. Alvaro couldn't hit it over a bunker. He had it around it because mm. his ball would roll. These guys now, the big boys, get it 320, fly it right over it. But then, how do you, but then how do you explain guys like Rory and JT that are little guys? Like I'm bigger than Rory and JT. And they're just. Same thing is, as Jamie. You're born with something. Yeah. You're, it's called fast twitch. Yeah. And if you've got fast twitch, you can go ahead and you can monetize that to the point that you get really good. And, and, and you look at JT. He's 155 pounds. Yeah. Soaking wet. It's un, I can't. No one can do that. It's beautiful. That. Rory's the same way. He's yeah. five foot eight, and he go. He's fast twitch, and he goes boom. You know. It just torques that thing up and goes. And I've watched Sedlowski do it beyond comprehension. Mm-hmm. How that is. We got a good we got a good Sedlowski story. He said you were caddying for him. I can't remember event what event it was, but you guys get to a par five and it's an elevated tee box and he asks you for an iron and you look at him and you go, Are you fucking kidding me right now? You can hit it forty past all these guys. What the fuck? Get the driver out of the bag. And then he hits driver and makes birdie. But he was trying to you know, protect the golf course or protect his score that day and lay up and you talked him out of it. So love that. Yeah. It, okay. With, with Jamie, you've got to teach him lessons because a long drive guy wants to get the ball in play. Mm-hmm. Amazing. That's their biggest oh, fear. I, I'm scared to hit it far. I want to hit him play. Right. So I kept getting on his ass as a caddy that we came to is at Wigwam, the planet term mini tour event. The 15th hole is a dog leg to the right. It's 409. Okay, and he's playing against this guy. I won't give his name. Playing against a guy, and Jamie's two up. And there's eucalyptus trees down the right. Euc- gum trees, Australia. Mm-hmm. They're huge. Okay, so bunker on the left. Holes four oh nine. And Jamie gets up and he goes, "What? Did, should I just hit a six iron to the left underneath that bunker?" And I peeled off the driver head, and I said, "Here." I said, "Take it over those trees, hit it in the front bunker, so we got an easier bunker shot." Four oh nine to the thing. And he goes, what? Excuse me? And I go, he's got a two-shot lead in his tournament with three holes to go. And I go, you take it over that bunker or over the trees, and you cut it up in the air. Now there's desert left, desert right. Just the worst thing in the world. I can tell this poor kid. And go and hit it in that front bunker, and we'll get it up and down. Uh, make birdie. Boom. Hits it up. Just bombed it. One hop in the bunker. Nice. So he comes over, and he goes, what the hell was that? And I go, let's watch. I said, the kid is two behind. Let's watch. See if he wants to win. He's fussing at it. Now he's looking at Jamie's ball up there 15 feet from the hole in the bunker. And he goes, give me the six iron. And he laid up. And I turned to Jamie. As soon as he took the six iron, I said, you just won. Yeah, head games. So we're walking down the deal. And he goes, what was that? I said, here's the deal. I got to use another word. I said, you got the biggest unit in the world. Once in a while, you got to unzip your pants and show it to them. And you can't be fooling around these guys and dinking and doinking. 
when you can hit it 400, yeah. you've got to hit it 400 just to show. I don't care where you hit it. you got to show them you got 400. Call, we call that BDE. Really? Yeah. <laughs> because really, and I go, yeah. And he won by two or three. and But it, again, it was a lesson. You these The guys that hit it far want to hit it straight. Yeah. And when you're that long, okay, Kyler and, and Berkshire and, and Jamie Salowski, and when you start playing for money, you got to go and you got to hit it hard. And then you go, okay, one out of three tournaments, I'm going to hit it straight. And then, holy Jesus, they're going to have a tough time beating me because you got nine irons in a par fives and they've got three woods. You've got to use it. Yeah, Bry- Bryson U.S. Open, that's prime example, right? I mean – Everybody yeah, bagged uh, on him, and he just smashed it over everything and hit wedges in everywhere. I mean, he putted the lights out, but he, he did put the lights out. But his the way he programmed it was okay. And I don't know if you guys play wing foot. We've been there doing tournaments forever. I played it forever. It is so hard. Okay, I'm glad you say that. But when you <laughs> when you get a line, when you get a guy that can fly it that far, and I'm talking a guy that can fly it three thirty three forty. There are different lines off the tee. It's not the normal, okay, there are the trees. I'm going to hit down the right side and hook it, keep it the fairway, okay? You go, okay, that green sets canted left to right, okay? Juxtaposed left to right. Bunker on the right-hand side garden. I'm going to take it over these trees on the left. I'm going to hit it in the left rough, down there about 380, and then I'm going to pitch it on the green lengthwise and go that way. Bryce never missed it on the wrong side. Yeah, that he is never true. hit it. Very rarely hit the fairway, but he hit it in the rough where you could attack these pin placements that no one else could get there. And that's part of the planning when you are 240 and you have got a swing speed that is, you know, you know, Off we're talking, charts. you know, we're talking 140 miles an hour and a ball speed of of 200 in whatever, two yeah. five, two ten, two ten, two twenty, yeah. Again, you people that are you people that are 84 miles an hour, which is the norm. Um, your ball, your ball speed is probably 120. It's going to okay? sound like a car accident. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So it, and he just now he has got to that point where he has bulked up, done his speed drills, knows what he's doing. Now those lines that we normally see, that as announcers or whatever look at, uh, it's guys. Take your thing and wipe it off the blackboard because this is a whole new ball game. Mm-hmm. So now figure out where they're going to hit it. And that's the interesting thing, where to tell these guys to hit it. Yeah. And, and catting for Jamie enough, I understand it. I understand it is totally different. So now, totally. now what do they do? What do they do to protect? Is it a limited flight ball? Is it extend the golf course to 8,000 yards? Or is it just trick up the greens a little bit? Hopefully there's weather. What do you think? All right. What's the play? In these deals, the gospel I was, of Gary. I was on the policy board of the tour uh, for four years. One of the four player reps from 83 to 87 when this tour went nuts and doing all this stuff and everything else and getting all the marketing programs and all the TPCs, everything, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You follow you follow the money. You follow the money. Now, if you guys ask that question, my question to you guys is, why haven't done it? They done it earlier. Why? What's the reason? It's well, <laughs> they can't. I don't know. I, the, What's the reason? Oh, 
why they didn't change it? Yeah. Well, one thing, Jack Nicholas, Jack Nicholas for 30 years has said you got to slow the ball down. Yes. Bobby in 1938, I believe, 1939 said ball is going too far. 1939, ball is going too far. We got to slow it down. Why haven't they slowed it down? How do you ca- how do you encapsulate that ego and restrict it though? I mean, everything is bigger, faster, stronger, more money. We want to see wow factor. So are they going to lose viewership? Are they going to lose investment in the game? It's more a case, a case of trying to put the toothpaste back into the tube, and now you can't do it. You've <laughs> let it me. out. Follow the money. Yeah. Why don't they do it? Sponsors, Why? advertising. People like to see the long ball fly. Gets people watching. Here's the deal. Okay. So you've got golf manufacturers, and they are advertising what? Distance. Golf ball that goes far. Okay. Now, these guys put a lot of money into that, a lot of money into R&D to do that, every one of them. Okay. Now, they employ guys to do that on the tour. Okay. So now you go along and you go, okay, well, hold it. On the tour, and I, this number I read somewhere, the tour golf manufacturers supply 60% of the ad revenues on wow. PGA Tour. Okay. Okay, let's take away a golf ball and make it go slower. Let's take a driver and make it go not as far. What do you got? No cash. Well, but here, but but there's something that there's something that we're not really talking about though, in the sense that like these manufacturers are making this stuff, yes, but they're not really actually making it for the tour. They're making it for us. The tour is the smallest yeah. percentage. The, yeah. That's the one percent yeah. of the one percent that can hit it that far. It doesn't yeah. matter what equipment they make for us. We're not going to hit it that much farther. It's so just why, not going to happen. Golfers, golfers are shitty. Yes, uh, they, <laughs> they, they, we are. We know it. Sheep, okay? sheep. So, so when you when you look at this deal, and you go, okay, guys, what what are we doing here? We got golfers that can't hit it a lick. They can't. They're the same distance they've been hitting. They're eighty four miles an hour. They they. You know what eighty four miles an hour produces? Yardage wise, two thirty, two thirty at most, two forty, two seventeen. Okay, so close. So you got one side. You got one side that's hitting at 217 on average, 23 million point five, and you got another that the average drive right now I think is 296 on the tour. Okay, <laughs> this is not even the same sport. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, not even, I mean. it's not. It's not close. Now, do we go to bifurcation? I was just going to ask you about that. Okay, so bifurcation. We got we got we got embodiments that are USGA the RNA, okay, they're making rules that we have to play by. Why do you think the tour hasn't made rules to play by? Why do you think the tour doesn't do it? This is, we're not an amateur sport. We're a professional sport. That's a honeypot, yeah. man. The reason, the reason is the PGA Tour has assets, pension plans, golf courses, mm-hmm. money. USGA has got nothing. Yeah. So you have to have that embodiment to make the rules and they have nothing. So if you make some rules, the USGA, the golf manufacturers that they sue them, they're going to get nothing. Yeah, that is true. If the tour makes their rules, what happens? Lawsuit. You've got Risk. every manufacturer equipment company coming down on your ass, and they're going to sue you because you've got assets. And you're going to lose all of your ads. The there is the problem. Fair and enough. that will always be the problem, and that's the reason that nothing has been done. 
These guys are going to end up hitting at 400, okay? And we're not going to do anything about it because the golf club man, and I've talked to these I've talked to them. I've talked to the CEOs of these companies. They'll sue their ass in two seconds. I feel like I'm listening to like the head of golf QAnon right now. Like I'm going <laughs> deep into the wormhole here. I love this. This is what I've been waiting for. It's that, and that's it. So quit whining. That's the way <laughs> right. the game played. Um, <laughs> you can't have all these pensions and all these TPCs and all the money that tour derives and be exposed to litigation. You can't do it. Can this USGA, okay? RNA can't. Can this the holy ground, the holy grounds of the unicorn village of Augusta? Is there potential for that to be a bubble yes. scenario? They they could they can make their own rules because right. they're independent, not on the PGA Tour. Right. So they could go in and they could go. Okay, guys, we're going to make a golf ball, which it's going to be called a Masters golf ball. And this golf ball goes well. The club head's easier. Okay. okay. We're going to produce a golf club that's got 200 cc's of driver. Okay. Bryson's going to hit that. He's going to hit that with a 20. I would say I take the shaft down from 48 to 46 inches and he's going to hit that. Give you guys an idea real quick. <laughs> what was the first tailor-made driver in 1970 in 19, 1979? What was, what were the CCs on it? First driver. Whoa. I don't know. 160. Very good. 176. Okay. 176. So Bryson's going to hit 310. Okay. <laughs> 310. It's going to hit 310 with a 46. Now everybody else below that. Could be so farther. Can, Tiger used to hit it just as far with those old persimmons. So, I mean, why couldn't he hit farther? Yeah. Same thing. And he, hit, and he hit that, but that's a driver uh, with, you know, he's got more CCs than that and every everything else. So it's yeah. going to go farther. <laughs> All you could do is just slow the ball down and give him 200 CCs and the Masters and go, okay, now go play because we can't buy any more land we're going to be halfway across Augusta. They will, though. If, if we do this, they will, but they're the only people that can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got to stop it at one point. I agree. They can do it. They can build a golf ball and say, here, if you guys want to play, here's a golf ball we're going to provide to you guys. We're going to give it to you a month out, and you can go practice with it. One that spins, one that's medium spin, and one no spin. Pick your ball out, but you got to play one of these three. If you don't or want to, five, you don't get an invitation, you're out of here. What's that ball contract going to be worth for TaylorMade Titleist Kirkland? Oh, the Kirkland. Yeah. Massive. Kirkland, by the way, is going to be the next big golf club manufacturer and golf Kirkland, no question. No totally question. open about it. I love the Kirkland ball. It's phenomenal. Try the, wedge. Try the wedges. Really? And guess what's coming next? Irons and drivers. Everybody. Here comes Kirkland. I was just yes. about, I was just about to get good some new stuff. wedges. It's good stuff too. <laughs> I know the guy that's testing all the stuff. And it's you know it's so it's so relative because as golf yep. is you know obviously COVID we all know what's sort of happened and how it's sort of exploded the golf landscape. But that's so relative because now people that don't really golf it's just part of their shopping experience yep. at Costco or wherever Sam's Club. Now they just grab a set of clubs on the way to the golf course. Yep. It's crazy. You you can't believe you can't believe how good these wedges tested. Really? To everything. Maybe that's what I go get. <laughs> you cannot believe how good these wedges tested. I might so go the do next it. thing is irons, drivers, woods, everything. They're gonna come out of everything. That's that's it. 
Kirkland Fitting Center now down the street here in Vancouver. I like that. Costco <laughs> Fitting the Center. You got to get two hours early. Yeah. yeah. There's a lineup. 9,000 people outside. Gary, I do need to dive into this. It is kind of the week of uh, this past weekend and the coming one. Uh, seems like the weekend of Tiger now with this doc like I referred to earlier. I want to dive into a little bit of your past with him. Not, I know you've seen everything, that's seen the craziest things he's done, but like, what are some of the things that he said to you even where you're like, <laughs> oh my God, like, I can't believe he burned me again. Or like just something that was so funny and like poignant that really stood out to you over the years. What touched your heartstrings from yeah. Tiger? Maybe that's a better. <laughs> you know, you know, I used to, I'd sit down there watching him at balls. I never, I, I never bothered him. I never went up. Hey, Tiger, what are you doing? I just watched. You know, I watched him hit balls. I watched him go about his business. And then I go up there in the tower and I try to, you know, I, I try to communicate to the people what I see and what I do. I didn't want to get into his private, any of that stuff. I never really, that's, that, that wasn't my job. I, I thought my job was to stay back, watch, react to what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. So Tiger was not really close to many guys when I was out there. Marco Mira and him were very good friends. He never... He'd hit balls, and me and Stevie were down there hitting balls. I'd go sit and watch. We'd talk a little bit about nothing, literally nothing, you know. And if it was, if it was tournament on Sunday, you didn't even no, start of course. You just watched. Saturday might talk, but I never. I go out and watch him on the golf course, play practice rounds or something, watch a couple of holes. Never anything, nothing. So I have really no. What were some moments then that you saw him like early in his career? Maybe something that people didn't see on TV, that's something you saw went, whoa, like this is going to be crazy. Okay. 18th, 18th hole at um, 18th hole at Firestone Country Club in Akron, Ohio. I don't know what year it was. If I had six, eight years ago, whatever. I'm on the 16th hole. Okay. Par five. When I get done. I go back to the compound and I sat there and Faraday wanted me to give him a ride back to the hotel. So I go, okay, I'll wait for you in the trucks, which is the compound. So I get over the 16th hole. This was on Saturday. And I go, and I sit there and wait for him. I'm not watching TV. I don't give a damn. Da, da, da. And Tiger then, you know, plays 17 and 18. Gets done. The Ferdy comes back to the compound. He goes, did you watch that? I go, what? He goes, did you watch what happened at the end? I go, no. He goes, you never saw what happened? No. He says, uh, you got your clubs here? I said, yeah. He said, get a wedge. Really? Yeah, get a wedge. So I get in the cart with Faraday. Everybody's gone now. We go down to the 18th hole. And this was on Saturday, okay? And the hole's 472. Dog leg to the left. Trees everywhere. Tight. Left, left and right. It's tight. It's hard. It's hard. I'm always hitting two iron in there. So Tiger gets up with his three wood and he just hits this, hits this absolute snap over here to the left in the trees. So we walk out and I didn't know at the time. Okay. So we walk out, and take the cart down. I go, what are you doing? He goes, here, come here. And he takes me in the left rough, which is up to my fetlocks. Okay. And I'm staggering around the rough and he takes me on. There's a divot. That's about 18 inches long and it's still simmering. <laughs> you see, it's it's baking, it's still got 
fire retardant on the top of it. And it's sitting there and I look at this thing and it's out. And I go, what? And he goes, put a ball down next to that. And he says, I'll bet you a hundred you can't get it to the fairway, which is parallel over here to the right. Okay. I can't hit it parallel. Well, the green's over here to the left around the trees. And he's betting me a hundred. I can't hit a ball 30 yards from dropping it in the rough to there. And I dropped it. I looked at it. I looked at it. I go, can't take your bet. I can't get it to the fairway 30 yards away. He goes, what do you think happened? And I go, well, I I don't know because it's 196 yards to the flag. Okay. But to get to the flag, you'd have to get through these trees and then hook it about 40 yards. It's 196. And I go, what have I got a wedge for? And he goes, well, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Tiger hits it over here in the rock. He's playing with Ernie Els. Ernie Els is number two in the world. Okay. And he says, Tiger snaps it over there and he's over there looking at the rough. He's got 196 to the flag. It's back left. And he says, he's in there and he's going to, I'm on the fairway and I got my mic on. Boom. You got this little recorder in the back and you take this button and you push it to the right and you're online. And he says, uh, Jim Nancy says, listen, he says, Kenny Ventura was up there. He says, Kenny, he says, uh, he's just got to tip this ball out. He's got 196, but there's trees in front of him. He'd have to hit this ball with a 40-yard hook to get it. And he's got a wedge. He's got a wedge. We found out he's got a wedge. He takes this swing. And as soon as he takes this swing, it's a maniacal thrust at the center of the earth with this sword, this sword that's medieval and he just and, he, and as soon as he took the swing Ernie Els is coming up behind tight or excuse me behind Faraday in the middle of the fairway with his mic on as soon as he hit it and this thing came out Ernie goes what the was that <laughs> and this ball comes roaring out and he goes and he hits it hooks onto the green and rolls in the back fringe, 211 yards Jesus. with a wedge that I couldn't hit 30 yards <laughs> to the right parallel to me to get to the fairway. And I said to Faraday, I said, wow. I said, when the best announcer is the second best player in the world and he goes, what the f- was that? <laughs> then you got to assume this guy is another is another stratosphere. Oh, wow. And I sat there and looked at that guys for five minutes and I went, there is no human way. And I had to go back and I went in the trucks. We got done. We went in the trucks and I watched it for the first time and I about died. I could not believe it. So basically as an announcer, well, I, I know what these guys do. I played with them. I know this, this kid's a video game. And when you got a video game, you can do, anything you want with that toggle. Right. And he could do it. And I, and that's scary for an announcer because now I can't tell you guys what I'm seeing other than, are you kidding me? Ernie was right. <laughs> if I used the F word, that would have been the word I would have used. So that was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. From the second best player in the world, he gave the best, the best description. The best of that hot mic. What the fuck? Oh, what, on the air, Lance Barrow, the, producer hit the button he goes Faraday Faraday tell me that wasn't you that said that goes, no 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 it's Ernie Els he was behind me he goes oh thank god because you're done if you say that word you can get 
you know, you can say shit and get away with it, but you can't say that one. Yeah, that's game, that's game over for sure. Yes. Eh? Scary. What, uh, what kind of stuff are you looking forward to now that you have a little bit of time to play some golf and hang out with the boys aside from getting communal COVID at the club? But uh, <laughs> tell Kami to stay uh, yeah, away I'm, from the club. <laughs> I'm a hundred, so I'm dancing. I'm dancing around that stuff, trying to trying to stay safe. I, I'm, there's a lot of stuff in the fire right now, a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, give us some I, give us some insight. Give our listeners some insight into your radio show. Um, yeah, uh, you, you guys you guys know Drew Stoltz, mm-hmm. uh, please. Who is he was like my son, and I knew it. A, I met him on a Whisper Rock millennial, uh, young kid. <laughs> Face tattoo. He was full of shit, Still and he is. was really good. He was really fast. And he was Faraday. He was David Faraday. Okay. At, at 36, 35. I met him when he was 30 or something. So I, I just started to talk to him about it and, you know, about the business and how do I, he's, how do I get in the business? Well, first of all, you can't beat anybody. You were playing the mini tours. You can't beat anybody. So it's going to be hard for you to get out there, but why don't you, if you want to do it, get a radio show and do it. And I said, I'm going to quit in a couple of years. We'll do something. We'll get together and do it. So I've been kind of taking him and Colton Nost and kind of putting him around and trying to get him in these positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the end of it. So it, the best way to, if you get on there, if you're trying to get on network television, you get guys like me behind you that have done it. And, and Nance knows him and all these, everybody knows him because they're whisper. We got 35 tour pros and they all know him. They think he's loony. Right, which is perfect because uh, you need a loony. You don't need a bunch of guys that are all the same. You need some loonies. You need, you need a wild guys. card. <laughs> you need, you need, exactly. Gary, you need Gary McCord in the mix. A wild card that can play a little bit too, that could still possibly take some money. <laughs> it, it just, yeah. You know, as I tell these guys, you, you don't do a sitcom with four people that are the same. Nope. You do a yeah. sitcom with four people totally different and put them in a bar, you put them in a in a in a dining room, you put them wherever and let them go at it. Well, CBS kind of lost its way, and they got four people who are all the same. Uh-huh. They don't have parody anymore. They don't have they don't have idiots, and they don't. But you put idiots with Nance, and you put idiots with Ian, who is the opposite, and, and let them go at it that way. Um, mm-hmm. So they've kind of lost their way in that. So I'm trying to tell these guys here. Here's what you do. You guys have got both personalities. You're both different. Um, Someone's going to knock on your door, but to get good, you got to be able to write and you got to be able to communicate. So go do radio and write. If you're on radio, write and, and do that. And if you do that and then nothing. Okay. Um, when I did golf and I started in 1986, okay. I saw whoever, uh, Bobby Nichols over three footer. That first day I saw Bobby Nichols over three footer. I told the audience everything I knew about a guy over three footer that day, 1986. Hmm. And I lasted till 2019. It's good. And it's hard. Think about it. It's hard to, because everything you've got is a guy over three footer. Mm-hmm. Everything in television is a guy. You can honest to God, both of you know about golf and everything else. You're going to say everything you know about, the first two guys over three footer. Now you're gonna make this shit up for the next thirty-four years. <laughs> yeah, recycling. Yeah, empty the tank on the write, first go. You better write about a three footer. A guy misses left, right, hits it too hard, hits it too. You better write, and you better have outs because. What's your writing process look like? The what? What's your writing process look like? Uh, I will take. 
I will take a standard, okay, three footer, and I write euphemisms, hundred of them. Okay, footer. so you put like a title and then just kind of yeah. brainstorm about the idea. Yeah. I'll watch television. I'll look at it and I'll go, okay, what would I say in that? Okay, no, I got an idea. Did that? And you write and you write and you write and you write. So you're saying one thing, but it's a hundred different ways because people get tired of you if the third week you're saying the same thing you did the first week. Well, shit, I lasted 35 years. You know, that's why Nance is so good. That's why he's great. It's all different. It's different stuff. He writes. All great announcers write. How much is off the cuff, though? Like, how much is just reactionary? Straight up, Gary McCord, personality. This is off the top. Bang. Fire it out there. I write, and my, the guy that works for me, Rick Folio, sits next to me. We've got four computers gone, okay? Four computers gone at the same oh, wow. time. And we're going over, because I know when Lance Sparrow, the producer, goes to this guy on a tee shot, I know I'm going to get him for the second shot and all the way in. Once he shows him off the tee, he's going to show him coming in. So you start going through and, and looking at that stuff and looking at, okay, what am I going to say about this guy and this guy? And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that you eliminate a lot of stuff, but you focus on what that guy is doing. So you get stats on it. Everything else, or second shot. How good is he as uh, uh, strokes gain approach the green? Am I looking for a deficit here? You got all this stuff's got to fire in a hurry. But you got you, you got five holes, right? So they might go to you on the next hole. And you got this guy doing the same thing. So you're 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 jacking this thing up as fast as you can. And then the stuff you write before never use. <laughs> I got a computer. You can't think of that stuff when you're going that fast. It just if you put if you put in your head a bunch of bullshit, something's going to come out. And the more crap you put in there, the better stuff comes out. For me, that's how I did it. Love yeah. It. So i i would I would literally do a telecast, and I'd be reading five different magazines at the same time, whether on the computer hmm. or in front of me. And all I'm doing is, as I am literally taking my brain as a sponge. And I'm loading them with words I'm reading in a mat, whatever. I don't yeah, care what more. the article is about. Yeah, it was about words and then taking words and doing it. That's the only way you stay you stay current, and it's the only way you, you stay electric. Yeah. Because if you tell that guy the same thing on a guy, he's got a three-footer, he's playing the ball off the front of his foot, he has hit the ball, and he has released the putter, nice putt. You're done. You yeah. better snoozer. In 34 or five years, you better have something other than that. And there's only one way to do it, and that's to write. That's exactly. to write and figure it out. Read and write. Well, if you're going to sit down and write right now about the 2021 PGA Tour season, what is one storyline that you would try to predict for this season? Well, I, I first of all, it's COVID, COVID, and and see how this thing reacts crystal ball. How, how our sport has got through it exceptionally with, well with a minimal amount of it's unbelievable because we're traveling caddies are traveling everybody's traveling they're going they're going into hertz rental cars they're going into hotels <laughs> and they're meeting people and we've had that amount you see what basketball is going through right now it's they, they can't they're going to get to a point here in a couple of weeks they can't field enough guys to play basketball again it's happening so in hockey you're telling already. me hurts. Yeah. yeah. Hurts yeah. stock. They, I bought some and they declared bankruptcy, right? Like hurts yeah. is oh, killing man. me. 
Yeah. Just think about Phil grabbing tacos at Taco Bell. I mean, that's not happening anymore. You're not picking up food for the well, boys. We had nine. We had nine gone. He ate nine. <laughs> Five we don't need to bring up any more uh, sore feelings for you. you know? <laughs> what I would be interested in seeing you about is your experience on the Four Jack podcast. <laughs> thing to me for sure. This is worse than uh, missing nine tacos, I think. Yeah. <laughs> what? By the way, by the way, guys, what are those two plants above you guys in that ceiling that looks oh. like it's ten feet above it? Is that? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Sensimilia. Wait a minute. Is that, what? what is that? No, the I mean, Maui stuff. What do you got up there? I can't quite see it. Witch hazel. Well, what do, you, what do you got those? They look like they're dead. What they, do you they, got they, them in they might be. Probably are. <laughs> I think that's uh, so sad. Look at that. I think there's garlic in one, and there's that uh, is, yeah. That's just awful. I can't believe you traded in the lamp for the plant. I, know, I still okay. have the lamp. Yeah. Record day, guys. What do we do? Look at. By the way, everybody home, look at that window back there. It's a twelve by twelve window with a couple of plants that have been dead for two months. Look at look at it right now. There's nothing on those three things to the left. It's just come on, guys. Okay. Do Gary, we're gonna give you a little. We're gonna give you a little insight. This has been the hot, hot nice lamp. By the way, really good. <laughs> you swipe up. There's the, the, the selling feature. <laughs> It's been yeah. a hot topic for uh, every podcast. Everybody's made mention. They're like, "Wow, that's that's a great lamp you got in the back." Like, oh Jesus! That's where we're wild card. We went plant today, right? Yeah, plant switch based. it up, plant. Yeah. Obviously, the plant made an impression. So that's nice. It's nice touch. Yeah, you guys are working out of a shelter somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vancouver's a little bit tight, you know. They got it. They got all the plugins we need. That's we're happy, right? Free power that's, for half. That's power. all we need here. Uh, Vancouver, if, I love it. It, it is a great city, especially right now when I can actually it is it great. play I golf. Love it. It's better than Sadlowski being stuck in Alberta. He can't Oof, do anything. Sorry, bud. He can't get down here. Can't yeah, get they, down and here. they got a storm coming in, too. Uh, yeah, they do. If you're going to pick one guy this year that you think could really solidify himself as the top player for 2021, I'm sure there's maybe three, four guys that we could look at. Let's go around the horn and ask one question. We'll, we'll uh, wind her down for Mr. Gary. It sounds like his uh, red He's cup good. is getting lower than expected. It is. It's down to the bottom. Okay. Um, we'll clean her up yeah, here. Again, if, if you look at, if you look at the, okay, take a look at the top 10 guys. What's the one common denominator? Long. They bomb it. Yeah. They bomb it. So well, we got to take a bomber. There ain't going to be nobody that's a, that's a dink and doink up there. That's going to do anything. Okay. So let's go down the list. Who's the guy right age, right? And you look, who's, who's number one right now? Let's go start Jeez. at number one, Dustin. Let's see. He hits bombs. He cuts it. It's perfect. He hits long iron straight up in the air, eight miles. He's a really good putter. He's figured that out now with, with Austin, his brother. I don't know how you beat him right now if he pays attention. I really don't. I don't know anybody that drives it that long and that straight. Um, he'll get some guys coming in and out of the action like Bryson. Rory's going to – but, you know, Rory – Roy is so hot and cold now. It's bright and it's frustrating. Dusted. It's frustrating. I feel like it. I feel like it's two horse race between JT and DJ. And JT is really good. I mean, really, really good. Mm -hmm. But again, you take a six foot four athlete against a five foot, a five foot nine or ten athlete that's sixty pounds lighter over the long term. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those dynamics yeah. and it's I'm with you. Dust. Yeah, unless I, I, you're trying I, to fit in the small spaces, you got you're gonna lose. <laughs> it's yeah, trying it's to sneak in the subway. 
<laughs> and I mean, that's an easy, I mean, I'm taking the guy that's number one. Yeah. Um, that's a if, if I would take a guy, if I take a guy now that, that, you know, if the guys, these gambling guys say, if you know, throw some shade on this guy, um, or not, not shade, I think this guy's going to be really good. I think Get Daniel some action. Burger, Daniel Burger. Thank you. Thank good. you for validating Mr. McCord. And, I appreciate yeah, you. He's, if he can keep his putting decent, he's got a putting stroke that's very interesting. It's scary. Most of the guys on the backswing and the downswing is a three-to-one ratio. He's the opposite. His goes back really fast and slows down through, and that's always been circumspect. And he's got and, the Matthew Wolf uh, like forward, whatever that is, whatever you want to yeah, call that he's, move. Yeah, he's always had that stuff, but he's he's an athlete, and he, he knows his swing. It's laid off. It's all goofy. But he knows that ball's cutting every time, and he's he's found his way in the darkness. Um, you know, a lot like Harris English hit. And um, so there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys there that are going to be. All I can like say that. is watch I, out for Sungjae. I, I don't know how you beat Dustin. Watch he out for Sungjae. Yeah, we got the well, biggest. We got the biggest Sungjae M fan right here. So he's my boy. He's his. He's his horse if, all day long. If he if you didn't think he was going to burn out. I know he's what is he 21, 22 21, now? Yeah. 22. But you can't play that much competitive golf. <laughs> That's what Adwin said last night. Not fizzle a little bit. I mean, and he goes to the range for nine bit. hours and practices after. Your I don't think he sleeps. It's going to become a little wet after a while. <laughs> you're not going to be able to light that thing up. There you go. And that's the only thing I got with some JM, but he's he's good. Uh, like a lot of these, there's where they tease off now is good and they can win. Every guy. You can't beat length. You can't put Sung Jae in, in against Dustin on a dog leg right. No. And Dustin hit it 320 over that bunker. Not even think about it. You can't. They're not going to beat him. Until Sung Jae starts hitting it that Touché. far. Can't. Can't. Working you out. can't have that slow backswing and get that speed. You can't. Kate. Go ask. Go ask. Um, go ask Sasha McKenzie. You can't do it. Go ahead. Next mm. question. Mm, my question today is a whopper i want to know what your favorite golf movie is for sure what favorite golf movie <laughs> tell us how bad costner was on the range we heard stories about this sleaze and i yesterday our first show of the new year mondays uh six o'clock eastern time i had ron shelton on for half hour uh, ron shelton is the director um, he was the writer for many of the best sports movies of all time, including Bull Durham, White Man Can't Jump, yeah. Tin Cup. And we went over this stuff. We started telling inside stories because I was, uh, I was the, I was in the movie. Uh, a couple of those things I did in essence, and Ron found out and put him in the movie. And, um, and we went over some crap that we did in that movie. And it was hilarious. It was really good because Ron kind of let go. And Ron, I, he and Gary Foster, who was the producer, we've become very good friends and working on other projects and stuff. And it's really fun to get those Hollywood guys. And I, mean, I can call Ron Shelton up as a buddy, which is amazing. I mean, so would you guy, say Tin Cup? Tin Cup's got to be the one, right? Yeah, I, I, you know. Biased. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you're allowed. Caddyshack is really good, funnier than hell. But if you get a movie that's based on truce, um, yeah, make you cry uh, a the, little. The closing of the movie in Tin Cup, where Kevin 
Kevin made 12th on the last hole. Well, that that was taken from I made I made 15 on the 16th hole at Memphis, going for it in two, and I got pissed that I couldn't get there with a forehand from 220. Island Green, same deal. And I my caddy started walking up the ball drop up by the green. I go, no, get back here. I can do this. <laughs> and I hit seven balls in the water. No oh, shit. Wow. That's where that comes from. I don't from. know how he found out about it. I don't, it was then I found out it was on CNN later. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Talking about the highlight reel. That is the end of the movie, yeah. So wow. that's why the movie. Because, uh, and the pelic the pelican I did in Pensacola. Um we were off the we post had, through the through the doors? In, in the yeah, Pensacola was. I, we were in. Let's say I had John Schroeder, Ed Sneed, myself, and Bill Calfey standing condo. It was a rain out that day. Washout. We canceled the tournament, and we were playing gin. And we're in Pensacola, and we're on a waterway, and we had a wharf out there. And I had to go. We were playing gin. I had to go take a leak. My clubs are back, and I start walking out, and I look from my back bedroom, and I see a pelican flying. He landed on a perch out there, about 150 yards away, 160 yards away on our deck out there, way out there. And I go, guys, and we're gambling on everything. We got nothing to do. Hey, guys, you give me 10 balls from the back bedroom here. I got my shag bag back there and everything else. 10 balls, I bet I can knock that pelican off his perch from my back bedroom. Oh, game's on. Game's <laughs> on. So then I, I said, I got to move the couch a little bit, get, and then I got to move that lamp and take it off, open the doors. And I got over the shot and I went, oh, that's great. I got no money. And if I take a divot out of this guy's carpet, his house, <laughs> I can't even afford that. So I, you have to hit a, a low cut shot that's got a bore out of there because I can't flip it up in the air. What if I pull it? It's going to hit a plate glass window. Yeah. <laughs> my God, this shot all of a sudden became $800. And I get over it and I go, oh, my God, what have I done? And these guys, Calfi is hiding in the bathtub. Uh, there's two guys in the kitchen hiding underneath the sink because God knows where this ball's going. I go, fire in the hole, here it comes. And I hit the shot. And you know when you hit a shot and you hit it good because it goes, it literally goes down into your coccyx, the bottom of your spine. You can feel it. And I hit this thing right on the nose. I looked up and it just got over, just got over the couch and I moved a little bit. And it would have hit the it would have hit the lamp, and then it started cutting. And I go, oh my god, it's not going to cut enough. It's going to hit that window, and it got through the window, and then it got over the railing, and then it started going out towards the the you know the causeway. The and the pelican is sitting there, and we're all now everybody comes out of the bathtub. They're all looking, and this thing missed the pelican by a foot over the top of his oh. head, and this pelican took off. <laughs> and I I went ape shit. It's the best shot. I've ever hit. And I was on the tour for 40 years. Oh, That's amazing. And somehow that got in an article that Ron found and he thought that was great. So he put that in the movie and from a bar and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it, we, I was there for three months. I was doing C I was doing CBS at the time. I was doing, I did 50 corporate outings that year. I was, I was playing on the, uh, I'm still playing. And it was a mess. And I, it was more fun than I've ever had doing that movie. That's amazing. That's a really good story. And my question is going to pale in comparison. But final question of the evening, Mr. McCord, the elephant in the room. We got to know, what kind of product are you using on the mustache? Uh, it's Panade Clubhouse. You can get it at CBS Pharmacy. It costs a dollar, dollar ninety-five. 
It's it's uh, it's wax and it's based in uh, sugar. And you, I can put this up and I can literally play in a Category Five hurricane. <laughs> and you get a now, foot long receiver. You got to put the ball back in your stance, but <laughs> this mustache won't move. There you go. Clubhouse. That's I'm, I'm glad that we finally know that secret. We've been waiting to know for years. <laughs> Literally years. There's a lot of good lessons. It's what we needed. Yeah. I need I need to go get it for my hair tomorrow. Whatever wrinkles your nose. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for jumping on with us, man. This is just you gotta, an absolute honor to finally have a golf legend thank like you. yourself. I appreciate you guys do yeah, well. Gary, appreciate great it. city. I love it up there. Well, whenever you uh can jump across back over the border, you're more than welcome to come <laughs> play with us. Hey, I got a I got a plant with your name on it. So yeah. whenever you're at, ready, yeah, guys, turn around and look at that. That is such a bad representation <laughs> of plant life in the world. It's unbelievable. It's look unbelievable that it. it's actually alive. To I, be honest, I think they're actually not alive. I think they're it's, fake. Yeah, I think they're actually it. fake. That is. It looks like the top of my head. It's just not good. Sorry, Gary. The connection's kind of fading here. Yeah, you're breaking up. You're breaking <laughs> up. All right, boys. Stay out of trouble. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Thanks for everything you do, Gary. We appreciate you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll chat with you guys next week. Ciao, guys. Ciao.